grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Our first lesson is found recorded. In 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning at first verse, this is Elijah's ascension back into heaven. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way, on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the, of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you? before I am taken from you. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, beginning at the first verse. This is the account of Jesus' ascension. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, 
Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, beginning at the 36th verse. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking that they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our, our text for consideration is found recorded. It is in the gospel of Luke chapter 24 and I read from verse 44 on. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said to them, This is what is written, and so it must be. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Look, I am sending you what my father promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. He led them out as far as the vicinity of Bethany, 
He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was taken up into heaven. So they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They were continually in the temple courts, praising and blessing God. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, what would you rather have? Would you rather have happiness or would you rather have joy? And if you're one who's thinking right now, I'll take both, I would say that's a very good choice. But is there a difference between happiness and joy? In other words, if you're happy, does that automatically mean you have joy? Or if you have joy, does that automatically mean that you are happy? What is really the difference between the two? Well, I personally see a difference and because I, I usually see happiness as really coming from our heart and our emotions and our thoughts. It's usually when things are going well and, and, and we really appreciate what life is bringing us, we find ourselves happy inside. But joy is not like that. Joy isn't emphasized. Its, its emphasis is not on one's emotions. Joy rather clings to one's hope. So you could be unhappy and yet still have joy. So when I hear of the, the joy of the apostles, it's not the Greek word for happiness. It is the word for joy and gladness. So how happy they were, we're not told but they were definitely filled with joy because they had hope. And the hope was in their Lord Jesus himself, who not only rose from the dead, but now was ascending back into heaven. In fact, we're actually told here that they not only had joy, but they had great joy. They had joy upon joy. And what would move them to this? Well, on the day that Jesus did conquer death and rise again, he appeared to his disciples at night. But before that, the disciples had been in this locked room for fear of the Jews. In fact, they were very confused. Many had seen the Lord. They were reporting it back to the apostles, and, and many still wouldn't even believe it. Concerning the women, they felt that their words were like nonsense. And when Jesus appeared to them and said, peace be with you, he spent the next moments convincing that he was not a ghost, but that he was alive. He would have them touch and see his very wounds in his hands and in his side. He would even ask for some cooked fish to show that he actually had a stomach. He was fully human and was not a ghost. And it was after that that the Lord Jesus did something truly amazing. Because even seeing Jesus eat cooked fish, they, yes, they had joy, but they were still very much confused by everything that was going on. And it was when Jesus, it says here, opened the scriptures to them, opened their understanding that everything that is going on is everything that has been written in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms. 
which is a beautiful way of saying the Old Testament. Everything was predicted, and Jesus fulfilled it all, especially that he died to pay for our sins, especially the fact that on the third day he would rise again. All of this was promised in the Old Testament and was a great comfort to the believers over the centuries. But to hear that Jesus is fulfilling the scriptures? Did you know that the very first sermon that Jesus preached publicly was at his hometown of Nazareth? And after reading a portion of Isaiah, the first thing he said, and it was a rather short sermon, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And now, at the end of his ministry, before he ascends into heaven, he's once again telling them that scripture is fulfilled and fulfilled in him. See, a lot of times we see the Old Testament and New Testament, and I'll hear people say this, that the Old Testament is law and the New Testament is gospel. That's not entirely correct. For the Old Testament does have gospel, and the New Testament does have law. There's law and gospel in both of them. But here is really the difference. The Old Testament was promise. The New Testament is fulfillment. And it all points to Christ. It all points to the very one who was proclaimed. Yes, Christ, the Old Testament word, was Messiah. And, and as soon as a Jew would hear that, he knew that this was talking about the Savior who was to come, who would serve as prophet, priest, and king, and save us of our sins. And now to hear that it's all fulfilled in Jesus. You see, the apostles didn't have to guess are, did we really believe in the right one? Do we really have the right Savior? Should we expect another? All doubts were gone. Jesus is the one because everything is fulfilled in him. And because of this, it brought them joy. In fact, it brought them great joy. It brought them joy beyond joy. Our eyes are beholding the Savior. And then to hear that along with that, that the Old Testament would even proclaim that there would be the message of repentance and forgiveness of sins. Jesus brings this up to them because he commands them that you are my witnesses. They are to start in Jerusalem and go to the ends of the earth. It is fascinating that the very opening chapters of, in the, of this entire gospel, Luke, opens being at the temple in Jerusalem as the angel came to Zechariah. And here Luke ends with the disciples being at the temple, praising God in Jerusalem. From here they would go to the ends of the earth, and they did, as Christ commanded. Yes, it would be a message of repentance, that sorrow over sin, confessing, yes, I am a sinful human being, God have mercy upon me. And yet the message of forgiveness, which calls for faith, faith to trust in everything that Christ has done, 
knowing that in him alone your sins have been paid in full, and the proof is his resurrection. There is no more doubts, and you are to be witnesses of this. Notice he doesn't use the word, you are to be an expert. You need to be a scholar. You need to be a theologian. You need to have an awesome degree. He told them, you are my witnesses. And he's telling it to people who some were fishermen. One was a tax collector. Others were not sure what they did, but they were very much blue-collar workers. He was calling what we would say today common folk and sending them out. And that, isn't, that doesn't mean we shouldn't go study God's word. That doesn't mean we shouldn't have pastors and teachers. But the purpose of proclaiming his word is not left to pastors and teachers. It's left to all of us, united together, telling people what we have seen and heard, no more, no less. It is not our right to add, subtract, or change God's holy word. Be faithful to that word and proclaim that word, knowing that at the heart of that word, yes, is Jesus Christ. I am not one who believes for one minute that there are many different ways to interpret the Bible, and you interpret it your way, and I'll interpret it my way, and we'll be happy because we're interpreting There's only one way to understand the word, and that is in the light of who Jesus is and what he has done for us, as clearly taught in that word. Take God at his word, but in that word, always look to Jesus. That, my friends, knowing that the disciples had a great mission, brought them great joy, and joy beyond joy, especially when they heard not only the command that you are my witnesses, but the promise that he would send power from on high. And those very words are pointing to Pentecost, which will take place 10 days later. To know you have the Holy Spirit, who's not only working in your heart, but working in the message that you proclaim, that means you have God on your side. I've always said to people, I've never saved anyone. I can't even save myself. But glory be to the Holy Spirit whose job is to testify of Christ, and he does. So proclaim the message of Christ. You've got God on your side. Yes, that brought them joy. It brought them great joy. It brought them joy beyond joy. And now, at the end of that 40 day of Jesus revealing himself, he'll take his apostles right across the valley to the Mount of Olives. It was in the vicinity of Bethany, just right across from Jerusalem. And it was from there that we would find the Garden of Eden, and it was, not the Garden of Eden, but the Garden of Gethsemane, and it was there that the Lord Jesus ascended back into heaven. But we're told that when he did so, he blessed them. He raised his hands and blessed them. 
We are not given the words that he spoke. So many believe he probably didn't speak any words. But knowing Jesus, usually a blessing came in the form of a prayer. And even though we don't have the exact words, wait till Sunday where we consider John 17, the Jesus' high priestly prayer, and get a taste of his blessing to his disciples. But until then, Jesus blessed them with a ministry. Jesus blessed them with hope in a Savior who lives. He blessed them with, with the promise of a Savior who is going to sit at the right hand of, of the Father in heaven, that place of power and authority. He was going to heaven to prepare a place for us and in heaven would continually rule the universe for the good of the church, for the saving of souls, and to his glory alone. And also with the blessing of the promise that he would come back again. And on the last day he will return. Just as he ascended, he will come from the clouds, but this time with the holy angels. And on that last day, he will gather up all the believers and take them to the glories of heaven. But until that day, you are witnesses of Christ. Until that day, even in the light of everything that goes on in this world, even on the days that you find yourself with sorrow, maybe even overwhelmed with sorrow, know this and know it well, that one thing no one can take away from you, not even Satan himself can take away from you, and not even the sinful world we live in can take it away from you, is the joy that is founded on the hope of Jesus, who is the Christ, our Savior. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.